0: There are certainly different varieties of populism in the sense that people use the term to refer to a a wide variety of different kinds of popular movements. The masses seek to move beyond, go over the heads of the elites.
1: This is RJ McGill from the American Academy in Berlin. Joining us today on our Beyond the Lecture series is University of California Berkeley economist, Barry Eichengreen. A distinguished expert on the international monetary and financial systems, Eichengreen is also a research associate of the National Bureau of Economic Research in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and a research fellow of the Center for Economic Policy Research in London. Barry Eichengreen was at the Academy to discuss the timely topic of economic populism. We sat down with him to talk about the history of populism in America and what a populist future may have in store for the euro, global free trade, and American domestic policy. We began by asking him a simple two-part question. What is populism, and where did it come from?
0: I think of it as combining really three uh, elements. Number one, uh, anti establishmentism Number two, authoritarianism. And number three, nativism, anti-immigrant uh, sentiment. So uh, there are a, a variety of Episodes in, in the history of my country, the United States, where you see those three elements combining to different degrees uh, in the late 19th century, the first populist revolt in the 1930s, and of course, recently.
1: Populism formally began in the U.S. in the 1892 presidential election, when the People's Party offered up the ticket of James B. Weaver and Vice President James G. Field. Green lends some context to the party's founding.
0: It's important to remember that the U.S. economy was still heavily agrarian in the second half of the 19th century, and urban workers as well were reacting against rapid economic change, and in particular against the sense that they were no longer in control of their destinies, really for the first time as a result of the uh, transportation revolution in the late 19th century. And there was the feeling that these anonymous forces beyond... Uh, their control were now determining their destinies. On the other hand, it was easier to blame the railroad and high freight rates. It was easier to blame the, the bank and high interest rates on far- farm mortgages than it was anonymous wheat and barley farmers in Central Europe. So uh, the, the populists were revolting against commercialization, against this loss of control. And they singled out the railroad monopoly, the financial system. In the urban context, workers singled out competition from new immigrants, uh, again from Eastern Europe, as the source of this problem.
1: That sounds a lot like 2016's populist concerns. The forces of globalization and international trade weighing heavily on the American worker and middle class. So what does Eichengreen make of the economic factors contributing to American populism?
0: Globalization and technological change do not benefit everyone uh, to the same extent. There have been losers from globalization. There have been losers from technological change. I think we academics, we economists, had not done a good job of reminding first ourselves and then uh, the policy community more broadly that not everybody benefits equally and that uh, society needs to think about what to do for people who are left behind in in order to make these uh, uh, processes, which have benefits overall, if not for each and every individual, sustainable in the longer term. That's a large part of it, in my view. And the other part is, again, this loss of control, even sense of loss of control. Even if people's Living standards are rising, by and large. They feel a new sense of insecurity because of the, the pace of change. And again, I think uh, societies haven't thought hard about how to, how to deal with those problems.
1: What can quell some of the sense of economic unease many people feel? Eichen Green draws a clear conclusion from earlier manifestations of populism and fleshes it out for today.
0: To start with, if you look at the uh, late 19th, early 20th century populist revolt, and if again, if you look at populism in the 1930s, Yui Long, Father Coughlin, what finally put an end to those uh, movements? Part of the answer is more successful economic growth, raising almost all boats. If we could snap our fingers now and achieve what President-elect Trump would like to achieve 4% growth. I think that would go a long way toward healing these problems, both politically as well as economically. I have deep doubts about whether Trump's program, insofar as we know its outlines at this point, really will produce 4% growth. Beyond that, um, it took a long time to for these economic problems of inequality and insecurity to develop. And I don't think we can uh, solve them in four years necessarily or in in one presidential uh, administration. So part of the answer is uh, basic income or something like that for people who find it difficult to find productive employment in our rapidly technologically changing world. In the longer run, the solution lies in education and training.
1: Considering Brexit, the recent Italian vote, and forthcoming elections in Germany, how does Eichengreen foresee populism playing out on the world stage over the coming years?
0: If we look back at history, we see uh, uh, a variety of of times and places where these anti-establishment, authoritarian, nativist movements have gain traction. And then we see some places where they have fallen back. Do I see that happening in, in, in Europe in the near term? The answer is not really. I think there are, are lots of uh, unresolved economic problems in Europe that will be with uh, the continent for some time to come. And I think there are uh, a variety of issues where establishment politicians have not been able to get their arms around the problem not only economic growth but on this continent as well distribution the refugee problem the institutional foundations of the european union so until uh the political establishment does a better job at, a, at, at addressing those key issues I, I i think it's realistic to worry that populist movements in a, in, a, in a variety of countries will continue to um gain followers?
1: That was economist Barry Eichengreen of the University of California, Berkeley, talking with the American Academy's Beyond the Lecture series. He was at the Academy this past December to deliver the semester's Kurt Feermetz lecture, especially poignant this year. Kurt Fiermetz was a founding trustee of the American Academy, one of our most important donors, and a close friend to many of our trustees. He passed away in late November. You can hear more of our Beyond the Lecture series interviews on SoundCloud or from our website, AmericanAcademy.de. There, you'll also find links to our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Vimeo. This is RJ McGill from the American Academy in Berlin. Thanks for listening.